Hello and welcome to Well-Versed. Learn English through poetry. In this episode, I'm going to introduce you to a popular poem by Emily Dickinson, who is widely known as one of the greatest American poets in history. You can find a full transcription of everything I say at wellversedpoetrypod.wordpress.com. The link is also in the podcast description, along with the poem itself. If you listen carefully, use the transcription to check on anything that you didn't understand, and then listen again. Your brain will automatically assimilate all that new vocabulary and all those new phrases. All while, at the same time, you get to grips with a very interesting poem. And here it is. I started early, took my dog, by Emily Dickinson. I started early, took my dog, and visited the sea. The mermaids in the basement came out to look at me. And frigates in the upper floor extended hempen hands presuming me to be a mouse, aground upon the sands. But no man moved me till the tide went past my simple shoe, and past my apron and my belt, and past my bodice too, and made as he would eat me up, as holy as a Jew, upon a dandelion's sleeve. And then I started, too. And he, he followed, Close behind, I felt his silver heel upon my ankle. Then my shoes would overflow with pearl. Until we met the solid town, no one he seemed to know. And bowing with a mighty look at me, the sea withdrew. So you might have found this one a little bit difficult in places. So don't worry, we're going to take a look at the poem one verse at a time. I started early, took my dog, and visited the sea. The mermaids in the basement came out to look at me. Now then, what is a mermaid? If you didn't know, it's hardly surprising because there is actually no such thing as a mermaid. Disappointing, but true. They are mythical creatures, half woman and half fish. Then we have the second verse. And frigates in the upper floor extended hempen hands presuming me to be a mouse aground upon the sands. So a frigate is an old type of boat or ship. You'll notice that the sea is described as if it were a house which the speaker is visiting. There are mermaids in the basement and ships on the upper floor. In other words, mermaids below the surface and ships on the surface. Hemp is the material from which ropes are made. So when the ship extends hempen hands, you can imagine the speaker being pulled in with rope from the ship. You might see this as an expression of the speaker's desire, something she wants or needs. Or it might be more sinister than that, a trap or a dangerous temptation. And this is a question that applies to the poem as a whole. By the way, why is the speaker identified as a mouse in this image? 
because ships were well known to have a population of mice or rats on board. And this explains an interesting English idiom, like rats fleeing a sinking ship, which is used to describe the departure of large numbers of people from a failing company or enterprise. Apparently, rats used to flee from sinking ships in the same way, although I'm not exactly sure where they went. But no man moved me till the tide went past my simple shoe and past my apron and my belt and past my bodice too. An apron is the thing you wear to cover your clothes when you're cooking or doing something else that might get them dirty. A bodice is an item of women's clothing which is no longer worn today. What's maybe significant is that the bodice covers the chest and consequently the heart. And made as he would eat me up, as holy as a Jew, upon a dandelion's sleeve. And then I started too. Dew means the tiny drops of water that form on plants and cold surfaces at night when the temperature drops. It's spelt D-E-W, and it's not to be confused with Jew, J-E-W, which means a Jewish person. We're not talking about Jews being eaten by dandelions. Poetry can deal with some pretty weird stuff, but there are limits. A dandelion, by the way, is a type of wildflower. Suddenly, in this verse, the sea has turned from being a cute little house with ships and mermaids into a powerful and potentially dangerous force. In this context, I started does not mean I began, like it does in the first line of the poem. It means a sudden movement of surprise or alarm. It's connected to the word startled. You might start out of your sleep, or start out of a trance, for instance. A famous quote from Emily Dickinson's letters goes like this. To live is so startling, it leaves little time for anything else. The next verse, and he, he followed, close behind, I felt his silver heel upon my ankle, then my shoes would overflow with pearl. So now the speaker is running or fleeing away from the sea, and there is a very pretty image of the water following her and brushing her ankles as she moves away, just like waves flowing up the beach and chasing you as the tide comes in. A pearl is a famous jewel or gemstone which is found in the sea. And here again we see the same ambivalence or uncertainty in the speaker's attitude to the sea or whatever it represents. Her shoes will overflow with pearl. This sounds less like a threat and more like a fine gift or a blessing. Until we met the solid town, no one he seemed to know. And bowing with a mighty look, at me, the sea withdrew. Like in many of Emily Dickinson's poems, the last verse is really key. The description of the town as solid is very simple and yet very subtle. Obviously, there is a significant contrast between the liquid flowing water of the sea and the fixed structures of the town built on land. But solid here also means reliable, familiar settled. 
Have you ever looked at the ocean and felt a sense of awe, perhaps even a sense of fear? The sea is a huge, chaotic, elemental force when compared with the neat, ordered world that we humans try to construct on land. So this poem perfectly captures that contrast between our solid towns and the wild world of nature which we try to shut out, but to which we are also definitely attracted. And this explains why she takes her dog with her in the first line of the poem. It's another representation of the taming of nature by civilization. But of course, we understand that the sea and the town in the poem can represent all sorts of things. For instance, the town might represent moral order rather than physical order. That's to say the codes and laws of human society, which could be swept away by the forces of nature. One popular interpretation suggests that the sea represents the speaker's repressed desire, and that this is why it's given a male character and bows at the end like a gentleman. Another idea is that it's about the power of the imagination, or creativity, or even poetry itself. It can really be taken to represent anything, subconscious or not, that we exclude from our neat and normal everyday lives. And that's the beauty of a poem like this one. It means all these things and more. And of course, what's really interesting is that ambivalence, that mixture of fear and desire, which the speaker feels towards the sea and whatever it represents. And as a final note, we can be fairly sure that the imagination plays an important role in this poem, because when she wrote it, Emily Dickinson had in fact never seen the sea in her life. Well, with all this in mind, dear listeners, let's listen to the poem again. Don't forget, you can follow me on social media at WV Poetry Pod, and please do check out the transcription at wellversedpoetrypod.wordpress.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, I would love to hear from you. I started early, took my dog, and visited the sea. The mermaids in the basement came out to look at me, and frigates in the upper floor extended hempen hands, presuming me to be a mouse, aground upon the sands. But no man moved me till the tide went past my simple shoe, and past my apron and my belt, and past my bodice too and made as he would eat me up, as holy as a Jew, upon a dandelion's sleeve. And then I started, too. And he, he followed, close behind. I felt his silver heel upon my ankle. Then my shoes would overflow with pearl. Until we met the solid town, no one he seemed to know. And bowing, with a mighty look, at me, the sea withdrew. That's all from me. Thank you, as always, for listening, and I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.